I want to invite you to take your Bibles and turn with me to Acts chapter 2. And uh, I want to say how uh, much I'm enjoying this series uh, on Healthy Church. I hope you're picking up your Connect Guide and following along. And uh, what a blessing uh, it's just been able to be uh, to think about uh, God's plan uh, for a fit church family, how he wants us to be healthy individuals, how he wants to be healthy uh, wants us to be healthy believers, how he wants us to be a healthy church family. And we're delighted that you're on this journey with us uh, as we have started this new year. Can you believe we're already a month in uh, to this new year? It seems like January has come and it has just uh, completely flown by. And so if you're new today, uh, we are just in week three and uh, each of these messages are designed to stand alone. And so you're not going to be uh, missing stuff if you're a guest, you're going to uh, be able to quickly get uh, caught up and then just hang with us. And so today I want us to read uh, verse 42 down through 47, and then I want us to focus on a particular phrase that we find there in verse 42 where he says, they devoted themselves, and last week we talked about uh, the apostles' teaching part, but, but this today we're going to start talking about fellowship. And so let's read that and then I'll unfold that for you so you just know exactly right where you are. Luke writes and he says, and they, the new church, the 3,000 people that have been born again, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. If you will, look with me at verse 42 and notice as they devoted themselves, notice what we're focusing on today, and the fellowship and to the breaking of the bread. And then in verse 44, and all who believed were together. Verse 46, day by day attending the temple. We talked a little bit about that last week. But notice this, together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. Uh, healthy churches, healthy churches maintain genuine fellowship. Healthy churches maintain genuine fellowship. Uh, two weeks ago, we talked about how healthy churches minister through the power of the Holy Spirit. And it is something that we need. We cannot preach, teach. Uh, we can't lead our life groups. We can't gather together in fellowship. Uh, we can't pray uh, properly. We, we really can't lead any ministry that God calls us to be involved with. We can't live our life uh, without the power of the Holy Spirit working in us and through us and making much of Jesus in our hearts as we give ourselves to his word and asking the Holy Spirit to work in us. We talked about how we're just better husbands and wives and sons and daughters and neighbors and, and workers, and we're just better when God is having his way in us and that we're sensitive to the moving of his power according to his word in our hearts. And then last week we talked about how healthy churches focus on biblical preaching and teaching and that phrase teaching uh, is used in some of your translations may say doctrine and so healthy churches not only 
uh, minister through the power of the Holy Spirit, but they uh, intentionally focus in, in, a very in, uh, in a very specific way, in a very clear way, they focus on biblical preaching and teaching sound doctrine. And today we want to deal with this subject of healthy churches maintain genuine biblical fellowship. There's something there about that that we want you to, to hear. They maintain. That means that there's something about fellowship, relationship inside the body of Christ that requires attention for us to give ourselves to. We need to allow God to work in us and out of us so that we would work together on our fellowship. It's important that we realize that, that all relationships that are worth having are worth investing in. They're worth fighting for. They're worth, they're worth working toward. Uh, good, healthy relationships don't happen by accident. There are some common things that have to be occurring in relationships for relationships to be really healthy. They have to be reciprocal. There has to be time spent together with that person. There has to be some commonality or genuine fellowship that brings them together uh, that they might be able to agree together and rally around. And in our church, right, that person in that main focus is Christ. And we're going to look at that real clearly. But there's something special about relationships that are close. There's something special about churches who have a close, dynamic, healthy fellowship. John Fawcett knew something of that. He penned these words in 1782. Let's be the tie that binds our hearts in Christian love. The fellowship of kindred minds is like to that above. Before our Father's throne, we pour our ardent prayers. Our fears, our hopes, our aims, our one, our comforts and our cares. We share our mutual woes, our mutual burdens we bear. And often for each other flows a sympathizing tear. When we asunder part, it gives us inward pain, but we shall still be joined in heart and hope to meet again. Blessed be the tie that binds us in Christian love together, in bearing one another's burdens together, in celebrating one another's victories and joys together. There's something truly, truly special about that. It's more than just friendship. And as much as I like to eat, it's more than just potlucks or just eating. And we're going to eat next week uh, right after this service. We're having uh, Ken and Beth a celebration for them next week. And we're going to praise God for his faithfulness in and through their lives. And then uh, instead of having second life group hour for adults, we're just going to meet in the student center and give everybody an opportunity to just fellowship and uh, have some light refreshments before lunch and get to know Ken and Beth uh, more and get to share with them. But that fellowship time, it's designed around food. But really, uh, fellowship is more than just food. It's more than just potluck. It's more than just being together. It's the idea that the Lord has bound us together in a particular way. This word for fellowship comes from a Greek word uh, called koinonia. It is that which we have in common. A matter of fact, it's not just what two people have in common but what several people have in common. This word, koinonia, describes the experience of having something in common and or of sharing in things in common with others. It describes our close association involving mutual interests in Christ and sharing or to have 
communion, intimate, close, personal relationship, fellowship. It uh, really marks the active joint participation and cooperation in an interest or activity. And in our context here, as Luke uses that that word koinonia to describe fellowship, he's talking about this common interest that we have in Christ. And so the fellowship of believers, the body of Christ, this New Testament local church, must give consistent attention to maintaining a warm, joyful, and biblical fellowship. Those of you who have been married for some time, you know if you don't work at that relationship, your marriage can grow cold. It can grow distant, not because there's something that you have against your wife or something that your wife has against you. You just know that over years, your relationship, if you do not give attention to it, can begin to wane, and and there's not that fervency that was there at one time. There is not that great desire that was there at one time. There may not be as much joy in your relationship as it, as it was at one time. And so oftentimes you'll hear people say things like, you know what, you ought to date. And just uh, on uh, Valentine's Day, I believe it is, uh, Taylor and Kaylee and with some teenagers are going to be uh, having babysitting services here. And so if you want to go out with your spouse that night and you have kids and and, uh, they are always a reason that you don't do date night on Valentine's, you can do that and drop your kids off here. You need to sign up so we know how many uh, to prepare for. And uh, and then you can go and invest in your marriage. What are you saying today, Pastor? I'm saying this. Healthy churches maintain a warm, genuine, biblical fellowship in Christ. How do we do that? How do we go about that? Well, I want you to notice, first of all, what he says in verse 42. And I hope that you'll write these four things down. How do we experience genuine fellowship if it's more than eating or it's more than just being together? What makes our spirit bear witness with someone else's spirit? And how do we do that in the Lord to where he is honored and glorified in that? I'm not going to give you just a list of things today like, hey, you should attend life group and, hey, you should come to church or, hey, you should do this or this. All four of these principles are clearly seen in our text. And these principles are principles that takes the Holy Spirit of God working in our hearts and lives to bring this genuine fellowship to pass. And the first one is in verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and this fellowship, this koinonia that we have talked about. Healthy churches fellowship as we are converted by grace through faith. When he uses this phrase, the fellowship, the koinonia, he's speaking about the koinonia that comes from this agreement in this sound teaching or this biblical preaching. What he's really getting at is this commonality that we have through the gospel of grace. Healthy churches fellowship as we are converted by grace through faith. As each individual Christian examines their heart and they know and they realize that they have been born again, there's something wonderful about that as we consider the common, uh, the common oneness that we have in Christ. You all know that the scripture says, Right, Light can have no fellowship with darkness. 
And so one of the key things that we need to understand about true, genuine biblical fellowship is this. Uh, Unbelievers have a very difficult time fellowshipping in this particular way with believers. It's just a very hard thing to do because there are just different interests and there's not the commonality of Christ at the core and at the center of that relationship. But healthy believers fellowship as we are converted by grace through faith. You say, preacher, you may have to proof text me on that or help me to understand it better. And so I want you to listen to what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2. And I want you to notice how he says, this is what our life was like. This is what our life is like now. And right in the middle of it, Christ does this unbelievable work. He says, and you were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work and the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. We were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. He's saying we all had a common problem when we were lost, and it was that we were living in darkness, right? We were controlled by the passions of our flesh. God was not our God. He was not our Lord. He was not our Savior. And so he says we were dead in our trespasses and sin. And we were following and obeying uh, really the enemy, he says, the prince of the power of the air. But then he says in verse 4, But God being rich in mercy, because of the great love which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. He made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. And he raised us up. Notice this phrase. He made us alive together. Then he raised us together up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in the coming ages, he may show the immeasurable riches of grace and kindness toward us in Christ. For by grace, you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. He said, it's the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, plural, the body of Christ, who he has made alive together and he's raised up together. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in him. There's nothing more beautiful when the body of Christ complements one another and bears witness to the glory of God by serving in areas that he's created them to, and as he just continues to raise them up and work his grace in and through our hearts and lives, we bear witness together. As individual members of the body, we bear witness together. Healthy churches fellowship as we are converted by grace through faith. Before we can have fellowship one with another, we must have fellowship with God. 1 John 1.3 says this, that, which we have seen and heard we proclaim to you so that you too may have fellowship with us. And notice what John says. And and indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus. So this idea of coming together as a body of Christ, it only occurs when each individual person has been born again And they have received God's grace through faith. They believe his word. The gospel has made a difference. They've turned from their sin. And as they have been united with Christ, and Christ has come to live in their hearts through the presence of the Holy Spirit, what happens is we are all brought together, right, in Christ. Unbelievers just can't have fellowship with believers. You can have some kind of relationship 
But at the end of the day, you're probably going to have far, far too many interests and the common glory of Christ ruling and reigning in your heart is not going to bring you together until we're all born again. You say, preacher, is that the reason there are some churches that are just fussing churches and fighting churches and they just fight all the time? And I would say to you, that absolutely is. I don't know of any church that doesn't go through a time of where there's a fracture in the family, that there's a struggle in the family. I, I don't know of any church that doesn't go through that to some extent or another. But I do know this, there are some churches that just major in that, right? It's like they just fuss and fight and they look for more things to disagree upon than agree upon, right? Uh, sometimes when you're driving through a community and you see harmony number one and you drive a mile down the road, you make a left and you got harmony number two, you know what's happened right there, right? Something exploded at harmony number one and so a group left and they started harmony number two. And most of the time, it wasn't harmony that led them to split. If you understand that, say amen. We have to understand this, that in every church, there are folks that have not been born again. If you say, preacher, I hate when pastors talk about examine your heart and make sure you have been born again. My brothers and sisters, it's one of the greatest responsibilities and privileges that I have to be able to say to you, Examine your heart and make sure that your sins are forgiven. And how can I know that? Because I'm not trusting in my work. I'm not trusting in something that I can do. I'm not trusting in a preacher. I'm not trusting anyone. I'm just trusting Christ. I was um, at a ball game the other night. and Someone came up behind me and grabbed me. And he said, I didn't know you were the preacher that saved my brother. And I thought, I know your brother. Not only did I not save him, I'm not for sure Jesus saved him, right? I, I didn't say that. He said, what did you say to him? Well, it wasn't the place and time for me to say, I don't have this saving power that you're speaking of. Only one has that, and that is Jesus, right? What are you saying, Pastor? This is what I'm saying. If you are sideways with the majority of people at your work, the majority of people in your family, the majority of people in your neighborhood, and the majority of people in your church, there's probably a real heart problem that needs to be addressed. If you understand that, say amen. If you're constantly just picking that speck out of your brother's eye and you don't behold that log that is in your eye, you never say things like, consider me, I'm such a sinner, right? Here's the thing about Christian maturity. Christian maturity never focuses on, boy, I'm really growing, I'm really growing, I'm really growing, I'm almost there. Christian maturity says, you know what, I can't believe the more I know Christ, what kind of sinner that I have been and the wretchedness of my own heart, right? But thanks and glory be to God for changing me. And so healthy churches, fellowship as we are converted by grace. We do this because we've been made alive together in Christ, because our fellowship is centered in him, and only through being born again can we demonstrate the love of Christ that binds us together, as Fawcett was talking about in genuine fellowship. 1 John chapter 3 now, verse 14, he says, We know that we have passed out of death into life because we have love for one another. 
My brothers and sisters, it takes the love of God to cause us to love one another, to be able to fellowship one, one, one with another, to, for us to be able to serve together, worship together, and to go out and be witnesses of God's glory together. If you believe that to be true, would you say amen? It, it just takes the love of God to do that. I don't have that kind of love in my heart by myself apart from the Lord. It takes us being able to join ourselves together under the lordship of Jesus Christ, under the forgiveness of sins that he has made available uh, to us and for us through the shedding of his blood on the cross and by us repenting of our sins and having union with Christ and recognizing that we all have union in Christ, it makes us love one another. Here's what I'm very cognitive of this morning. If Christ can save me, he can save any one of you. If God can demonstrate his grace to me, I know he can demonstrate his grace to you, right? Oftentimes, that word that Paul said, among sinners, I am chief, that word just resonates sometimes with me. It's just like the Lord is pounding that truth into my heart. And it's really, really important for us, all of us here, to realize that apart from Jesus, we cannot have genuine fellowship. And so, number one, healthy churches fellowship as we are converted by grace through faith. And I want to extend an invitation to you today. Here would be the saddest thing that could ever happen to any one of us here. For us to sit under the sound of the gospel week after week, for us to sit under activity and, and ministry and mission opportunities, for us to come together and, and sing or not sing, but be, uh, to be exposed to uh, Christian lyrics and praise songs as we lift our voices before the Lord and live like that for our whole lives but miss heaven because we've not been converted. We've not been converted. Preacher, I just don't believe people do that. I believe it. I've, I've known of a man in North Carolina who he lived most of his life in church. He received, uh, he had this lung disease. He was a mason. And I went to visit Jack at the hospital, and um, his lungs were just closing down because of this stuff that was spreading in his lungs. And I was talking to him about how he was doing. He was there when I came uh, to Riverview. He had been there for a long, long time. Jack was in his 70s. Uh, he, he had done great ministry there in the church as far as um, he would have fellowships and he would cook whole hogs and have people come over to his house. And when I went to see him at the hospital and I said, Jack, tell me, how are you doing? We had talked for a while. He said, they tell me there's not much hope for me that this is going to continue to close down. And I said, Jack, is there, in, in light of that, is there anything that you want to talk about or pray about concerning that? And I mean, he went silent, just absolutely silent. And I said, Jack, if there's something that comes to your mind, you holler at me and I'll come back and we can talk about it. He grabbed me by the hand. He said, don't leave. And I said, what do you want to talk about, Jack? Listen to what Jack said. Seventy-something years old, a member of Riverview Baptist Church, and this is what Jack said. Preacher, I don't know that I've ever been born again. He said, I don't know that I've ever known the joy or love of Jesus. He said, you know, everybody seems so happy here, and he said, it just seemed like a big joyful club, and I wanted to be a part of that. And he said, and I've been a part of it, but he said, I'm not for sure that I'm a believer. And I just said, Jack, have you heard enough of the gospel at Riverview to know that if you repent of your sins 
that Christ died on the cross for your sins? And listen to what he said. Jack said, yeah. But he said, if I do that, everybody's going to know I wasn't a believer. And I said, I don't care what everybody knows, right? Hey, you, you can't worry about what your wife thinks or what your son thinks or what people at church think. You don't want to die apart from Christ. And he said, no, preacher, I, I don't want to die apart from Christ. And I said, why don't you ask Jesus today to be your Lord and Savior? He said, am I going to have to be baptized again? I said, yes, you, you need to be baptized again. If you get well, because your previous baptism, right, was not a profession of your faith. It was not a symbol of what Christ had done in you. If today you are born again, you, you're going to want to be obedient to the Lord. And he said, yes. And then, long story short, we probably talked there for an hour, an hour and a half about uh, what would be the implications if he asked Christ into his heart. And he said, preacher, I'm ready. I want to ask Christ into my heart. Nurse came in. I always give nurses the, the right away and step out of the room, do whatever. I asked that nurse. I said, can you just come back? Jack said, yeah, come back. And Jack asked Jesus to be his personal Lord and Savior right there in that hospital room if you say pastor are you saying to me that i can live under the membership uh, under the umbrella of church membership and not know christ listen to me my brothers and sisters when jesus is your lord he changes you and he gives you real love for one another and he gives you a heart to want to know him according to his word and he listen to me he continues to extend grace. I'm not talking about a Christian who's struggling with sin. I'm talking about a person who knows they do not have fellowship with God and consequently they do not have fellowship one with another. Let me extend that invitation. Do not die under that condition. Give your heart and life to Christ. I've told people before, uh, one of my boys uh, was baptized twice. He uh, told me that he wanted to follow Christ at a younger age, and then he came to know Christ in a real true sense the second time. And he said, Dad, am I going to have to be baptized a second time? And I said, no, it's the first time, because the, the first time all you did was get in the water, but you did not profess faith in the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Baptism was not that expression for you. And so I said, here's the way it is. I wouldn't care if I had to be baptized seven times if I knew that seventh time that I was right with God and there was forgiveness of sins. If you say, preacher, can I absolutely know that I have a relationship with Christ? You absolutely can. Do I love the Lord? Do I love other people? Am I, do I want to follow him in obedience? Has he given me a hunger and thirst to know him through his word? Am I yielding and being transformed by the Holy Spirit according to God's word at work in my heart and in my life? If I die, is there fear in my heart that I might be eternally separated or do I know I'm going? Listen to me, church. Listen to me. We may not get to point two today. Listen to your pastor today. Don't cry for me if I die. Lord willing, this afternoon when we get done here, we're heading to Louisville to see little Annie. But if I do not get to see little Annie and we wreck that Tahoe and I die, you know this. For every one of you that's born again, you're going to see me and hear me again in heaven. Isn't that an awful thing for you to look forward to? Don't worry, because I'm going to be completely sanctified and completely glorified. You, at that time, are going to be completely sanctified, completely glorified.
Preacher, you do not fear death. I do not fear death. I'm not looking forward to how the Lord may bring that to pass. But I do not fear dying. And not because I'm some courageous man. Jesus has saved me and set me free. Our country falls, which if we keep going the way we are, we will fall. If our country falls and they take religious freedom from us and they ask us to renounce Christ, I'm not renouncing Christ. They can lock me away, throw me away. You renounce Christ or we're going to kill Tracy. I know Tracy's born again. She's ready to go, right? I, I want my family to see faith that is real and biblical. If you understand it, say amen. So what is, where did you get that from fellowship? My brothers and sisters, real believers can fellowship together. There's that commonality of Christ. If you've got it, say got it. Number two, healthy churches fellowship as we participate in the Lord's Supper. You mean as we come together for communion, this is genuine fellowship? It absolutely is. It says, and they devoted themselves to the breaking of the bread. The inference here is that they're talking about communion. And then when you go down to verse 46, it says, and they were attending the temple together and then breaking bread in their homes. The common practice would have been uh, the Lord's Supper and communion was not as formal as we serve it here at the church. A matter of fact, communion is not about silver or gold trays and really shiny and all of our deacons getting down the aisles at the same time and getting everybody served and, and, and it being just really formal. The Lord's Supper was intended to be a tremendous, tremendous reminder of the fellowship that we have in Christ because we have been born again, as we've just talked about, but also the fellowship that we have one with another. I want you to listen to what R.C. Sproul says about this meaning of this Lord's Supper, and then I want you to hear what Paul has to say about it. Sproul said, we come to the Lord's table covered by the blood of Christ. Each and every believer comes covered with their sins forgiven. We partake of his sacrifice for us. In so doing, we should express thanksgiving for our redemption, and we offer up praise to him for who he is. But there is also a vow being made when we eat the bread and drink the vine. We are renewing our pledge of faithfulness to him, and we're signing and sealing that pledge with a meal that expresses our ongoing fellowship with him, and consequently with one another. In Scripture, meals were frequently held to mark covenant fellowship and peace with others. The Lord's Supper is God's gift to us that confirms the reality of our fellowship and peace with him when we partake of the bread and the wine in faith. Paul says it this way in 1 Corinthians 10, verses 16 and 17. The cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? Now listen to what he says, verse 17. Because there is one bread, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one bread. How many of you here, your believers, and when we come before the Lord and we participate in the Lord's table together, that's just a real special time. You come and you leave blessed when we observe communion together. Will you raise your hand? That's a sweet and special time, isn't it? Lord willing, uh, on February 9th, not next Sunday, but next Sunday, we'll be observing communion together. And that's a, a sweet time of fellowship. Why is that? 
because we remember the body and the blood of Jesus that was bruised and that was shed for us. We, we commit ourselves to live for him as we confess our sins. Let each man examine his or her own heart. And as we confess our sins, we come together in Christ and we have fellowship with him and consequently with one another. We have been trying to stress for many years here that when you take that bread and that cup and you pass it, serve your brother or sister as you're doing that because there's something special that goes on as we are breaking that bread and we're observing that meal together. Healthy churches fellowship as we participate and we understand this true meaning of the Lord's Supper. My brothers and sisters, for me, when I come before the Lord to take that communion, and I'm standing up here serving it, I want to make sure my heart is right and I'm not sideways with anybody. I want to make sure my sin is forgiven and if there's fresh sin right there in my life that I'm asking the Lord to forgive that and to forgive that sin that I'm not consciously aware of. And then I'm asking the Lord, Lord, make sure that I'm right with other people. You say, Pastor, are there times that before you come to observe communion that you make things right with people? There absolutely. There's been multiple times that I've made a phone call and have just said to the person, listen, I know that our relationship's not been the best, but I want to just let you know that I love you, and, and if there's any tension between us, anything going on, I want to make sure that that is right. Why would you do that? Because when we come together, we're trusting Christ, His work in us, our, our surrender to Him, and our love for one another. Healthy churches fellowship as we participate in the Lord's Supper. But here's the third thing. Healthy churches fellowship as we believe and grow together. Look with me at verse 44 and notice what it says. And all who believed, so they were believing and trusting Christ, they were believing uh, the apostles' doctrine, the apostles' teaching, they were together and they had all things in common. I'm going to uh, take this just a tad out of context, but we will catch it back up uh, on the ninth. Uh, what do you mean you're going to take it a tad out of context? Uh, there's really a period here separating verse 44 from verse 45, but verse 44 flows right into verse 45. What was it that they had in common? Well, they were selling their possession. They pooled their things together, and we're going to talk more about that in a later date. But they believed they were together, and they had things in common. I want you to focus on verse 44, and all who believed were together. I don't know if you realize it or not, but if you if there's people here today that you don't know, which there probably is, do you realize the Jesus in them is the same Jesus that is in you? And what y'all have in common, what we have in common together in Christ is greater than that which separates us. We share the same Lord Jesus. Have you ever thought about that? Well, we, we share this same loving, wonderful Savior who took our sin upon him, laid down his life for us, who ascended into heaven, who's going to be descending to establish his kingdom here on earth, who is in the process of sanctifying us so that one day we may be glorified and become more and more like him for all eternity. We share the same Lord Jesus. You think of that sameness, that oneness. 
We share the same Bible or guide for life. Our instruction book are not, we don't, we don't have five different books here. We, we have one book that we read and it's God's word. And so we have this same Bible, the same instruction book, the same revelation of God, God's word speaking to us. And, and God's word trumps any other word. If you believe that, would you say amen? And so we have this, this union, this sameness, because we share the same Bible. We share the same love for God. The love is that our sins have been forgiven. We are all still unfinished. God is working in us, changing us, growing us. And so we all come to the table bringing the same thing uh, to the table, and that is that we love the Lord because he has first loved us. We share the same desire to want to worship him. Oh, my brothers and sisters, I love when y'all rear back and sing. There's just some Sundays that, man, I don't sing. There's sometimes that I just stop so that I just listen to you all, lift up your voices to the Lord and make a joyful noise to him. And it's such a blessing knowing just through the week as I talk to some of you and you all sharing with me what's going on in your life. And I think that person is singing that song to the Lord. What an expression of faith because I know what they're going through, right? And apart from Christ, apart from Christ, you wouldn't be singing that song glorifying the Lord. So we share the same desire to worship. We share the same struggles. How many of you here struggle in life? But everybody raised two hands, huh? We, we all struggle. We share the same victories. We share the same victory we have in Christ. We share the same victory we have through his word. We, have the same, we share the same victory that we have through faith. We share the same mission of, of just being on mission for him and, and the same joy of communicating the gospel and just helping people to know and realize there is absolutely a better way. Healthy churches fellowship as we believe and grow together. The Bible says they were together. Now I'm going to be true to my word and I'm not going to talk about church attendance at this point. Because this fellowship just means that you are together. And while it begins on a Sunday morning when we worship, or a Wednesday night, it's not, um, that is not the only time that we fellowship together. We come together as life groups. We come together as ministry teams. Sometimes we just come together as brothers and sisters in Christ. One of the great blessings that Tracy and I have is when new families are coming and they want to know information about the church and they've got kids and we say, hey, what about picking up a pizza? We will and we'll meet you up here in the playground area and we can eat pizza and the kids can play and we'll just have a good time getting to know you and hearing the stories of how God is at work in people's lives and changing them and how he's allowed them to be born again and he's called them into specific just lay ministry. It's, it's so rewarding to hear that and just to be able to be together. Healthy churches fellowship as we believe and grow together. My brothers and sisters, there are far too many things that divide us. Can I say to you here today, I don't care if you go to Barron County, GCA, or Glasgow. If you're my brother or sister in Christ, I love you. I love what Steve Gibson says. He says, we're friends all, all week and all day except when we get on that court, you know, on Friday night, right? 
my brothers and sisters, I don't care if you're a Louisville fan. I'll pray for you, but I, I don't care if you're a Louisville fan. I don't care if you're a big Orange Tennessee fan. Next week, I'm going to pull for the Chiefs because I like Andy Reid, and I know a whole host of y'all are going to be pulling for the 49. I don't care about that. You know what I care about? Are we, have we been born again, and is there fellowship together? I don't care if you're a Chevy man, a Ford man, a Nissan man, a Toyota man. I, I don't care about that. To each his own. Would somebody say amen to that? I don't care if you think vinyl siding's the way or, or, or some other building thing is the way. I, I don't care about that. What I want to know about is, do you love Jesus because Jesus has first loved you? Preacher, I bet you don't love Democrats. Sometimes I bet you don't love Republicans the way you sound. You know what? I, I don't care. Here's what I want to know. Have you been born again? Am I going to spend eternity with you? Because Jesus is the Lord of your life. And if he's the Lord of your life, we should not only wait till, uh, we should not wait till eternity to fellowship, but we should fellowship even now. Healthy churches fellowship as we believe and grow together. Can I say one more thing about that? That's a no. Y'all ready for it to shut it down? As we come together, may I encourage you to believe the best in one another and not the worst. We do not um, go about relationship the way the world goes about relationship. We believe the best in one another, not the worst. We extend forgiveness and grace and mercy and we trust that God who is shaping me is the God that is shaping you. He's the God that is shaping all of us. And he's not through with us. If you're glad of that, say amen. And then here's the fourth thing. You'll write it down. We'll get ready to close. Healthy churches fellowship as we believe and grow together, as we participate in the Lord's Supper as we have been born again, as we are converted by grace through faith, and then lastly, healthy churches fellowship as we share in hospitality. Verse 46, and breaking bread in their homes. What was going on is they were probably breaking bread and then having communion. I think that's what uh, Paul speaks about a little bit in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And sometimes they were celebrating the mealtime so, in such a large way they weren't giving proper uh, reference, uh, they weren't giving proper reverence to the Lord's table, but healthy churches fellowship as we share together in hospitality. What does that mean? It means this. Fellowship just doesn't occur in life group or Sunday morning worship or Wednesday night activities. Fellowship occurs in our homes. It really does, doesn't it? One of the best things that you'll ever do is when the Lord says to you and reminds you, this home is not your home, it's my home. And then you have people into your home. There's something special about that. Preacher, you've got a nice home. That's why you can have people. Uh, Tracy and I have not always had nice homes. When we sell and downsize, the home we have, will have, will not be anything like the house we have. But we are going to have people over because there's going to be a table, Lord willing, in that home. And we're going to be able to break bread. 
together. And there's something special, listen to this, about saying, my home is your home. My home is your home. My car is your car. Right? If you, you need my car, don't all of you call for it this afternoon. I'm taking it to Louisville. But my car is your car, right? This, this idea of opening our homes and being able to acknowledge God's goodness and grace to me requires for me to demonstrate hospitality so that the fellowship and oneness that we're supposed to have in Christ can continue. See if this next statement is true. Will you stand to your feet as we move toward invitation time? Have not some of the best times that we have seen at Calvary been when we have done some sort of book campaign that has involved host homes? How many of you would say, man, I really grew through that host home? There's been times that we've had as many as 38 host homes. We did a campaign, and I think we had 20 host homes. But where we just said, let's read this book together. Let's come together for Bible study. We'll do it on Sunday afternoons or Sunday evenings. If that doesn't work for you, do it on Fridays or another night. And people just opened up their home, or if the group was too big to fit in a person's house, they, they came and they met here. And it was that idea of just coming together and opening God's Word up and reading together and fellowshipping together. How many of y'all would say those are some really meaningful times for me to grow together in the body of Christ? Would you raise your hand? You know what made that like that? It's that idea of hospitality. I'm going to someone's house and I'm going to meet with other brothers and sisters in Christ and we're going to share together. You say, preacher, should I open my house and to other Christians that I may not know as well, I would say you absolutely have the, the responsibility of doing that. I would say to you, you need to seek the Lord in that, and you need to do that as much as you're comfortable doing that. But I would say to you, as we demonstrate hospitality to one another, we're exercising real biblical fellowship. They went from house to house, they broke bread together, they ate, they fellowshiped, they even took communion together, and God blessed their fellowship. Blessed be the tie that binds. So let's close this way today. If God has brought someone to your mind today that you are sideways with or you're not right with, that person could be a brother, a sister, I don't know who, it could be a cousin, an aunt, an uncle, would you make a conscious effort today to say, God, I want you to grant me grace to take the high road and to make that relationship as good as it can possibly be. And God, I want to grow in fellowship with my brothers and sisters in Christ. How many of you would say, man, I do. I want to grow in my fellowship with my brothers and sisters in Christ. Father, would you bring that to pass in our hearts? God, would you allow us to open our homes. God, would you allow us to grow together as we just spend time together believing your word? Lord, would you allow us uh, to grow together and have genuine biblical fellowship? God, as we participate in the Lord's table together. So God, we would examine our hearts 
and that, God, we would understand the union that we have in Christ. Lord, I pray that you would allow us, every one of us in this room, to leave here today with the certainty of that I've been born again. And Father, if there's anyone here in the sound of this uh, preaching and this voice, I pray, God, that they don't know that they have been born again. There's that uncertainty there. I pray, Lord, that you would help them to know that no greater joy will they have than when they turn from their sin and they confess with their mouth, they believe in their heart that you died on the cross, you rose from the grave, and that, God, if they turn from their sins, they can be saved. Lord, it's all the work that you do. And so, God, I pray today that every one of us here would be born again. We'd have no doubts about that. And, Father, I pray that they would have freedom to call me or to call Brian or to call someone in their life group or to reach out to Justin or Taylor or any of our church council guys and just say, tell me how I can be saved. And, Lord, there's no greater thing that we'd love to do than pray with folks. And, God, I pray today that you would allow us to have a strong, healthy fellowship. And that, God, we would work to maintain that fellowship according to the power of the Holy Spirit that works in us. And we ask all of these things in the wonderful name of Christ our Lord. And you all said, Amen. Amen.